The Disciplined Investor is underwritten by Interactive Brokers. Interactive Brokers is Benzinga's pick for number one best broker for mutual funds. IBKR's mutual funds marketplace provides low-cost access to more than 40,000 mutual funds, including 7,700 with no transaction fees. Learn more at ibkr.com funds. And this episode is sponsored by Our Crowd. All around the world, tech companies are innovating and driving returns for investors. Our Crowd analyzes companies across the global private market. Join the fastest growing venture capital investment community at OurCrowd.com slash TDI. That's OurCrowd.com slash TDI. The Disciplined Investor is all about you, your money, and the markets. Sit back and get ready for this edition of the Disciplined Investor Podcast. This episode of The Disciplined Investor is sponsored by Horowitz & Company. If you're looking for a portfolio manager, look no further. Horowitz & Company, from seed through harvest, cultivating financial success. What we got is end-of-year volatility, and it's getting interesting. Build back better. Maybe we should call it bye-bye for now and taking a hard look at our portfolios and ourselves. All this and much more on episode number 746 of the Disciplined Investor Podcast. Post-holiday to you. Christmas just in the rear view mirror. There it goes. Just behind us. Happened so fast and so soon. And what happened to the year? And here we are. The new year is ahead of us. Welcome to 2022. Just a few days away. And a hearty and a healthy and a happy hello to you all. I'm Andrew Horowitz, your host of this fine podcast, The Disciplined Investor. Nice of you to join me this week and each and every week as we talk about finance and money and disciplined investing. We look at what's going on in our portfolios within ourselves. We talk about how it is we are going to get to that point in the future about being financially independent. And that's what it's all about, financial security for ourselves, whether it's all about a wedding in the future that we're going to save for or a house or a car, college expenses, retirement, or maybe even, you know what, long-term care. And I can tell you something right now. Some of these things we don't want to think about all the time. Come on, let's just go through the day. Let's get a beer. Let's get a hot dog. Lay in the sun. Let's do something other than thinking about all this serious stuff. You know, just like that, it could all change. And uh, kind of off the, the, the side note of what's going on right now, but kind of give you a little bit of an insight. You know, I have some family members that are a bit older, and, you know, you never know what's going to happen. They could fall some health issues, and you have to be prepared. And what does that mean? Well, just a side note, something to think about, long-term care, long-term savings, some kind of sinking fund, insurance, something that you need in order to make sure that in the future you have the money that is available to take care of your situation, to make sure that you are covered. Because sometimes we don't think about these kinds of things. And those are the kind of things that here we are at the end of the year. It's time to think about some of this. 
And I was also thinking about all of the good times we've had over the past few years. Fun. Some great guests, hundreds of them. Some were amazing, some, well, not so. Well, let's be honest. Not every guest is a, a winner. You know, you try your best to find people that are interesting, that can give us information, we can learn from. Someone who has some information to share, and not always does it go great. Okay, I know that. However, last week, we had an amazing guest. I mean, coming right off the heels of a Fed decision, Danielle DiMartino Booth was awesome. Talking about the consequences of the Fed's actions, as well as the, well, what would you call it? We called it the, the mini UBI, the Universal Basic Income trial that was going underway. This little test for UBI. Just a test of the system. Not such a great idea, it seems. I mean, markets like it for now. Plenty of liquidity, plenty of money out there. People are getting free money. All good, right? But the unintended consequences will be, and are starting to be, we can start to see some of this, problematic. Like that, that little smidge of inflation that we're seeing, that we have been seeing. The idea that it's no longer the T word, the transitory word. Shh, don't say it. You know, it's really here. Yeah. How about those meat prices? Lumber prices squeezing and among some of the highest that we've seen ramping up again. And it's a rotation that we're seeing all over the place that are taking prices higher and higher. You probably noticed during your Christmas, depending on what you bought, that it was a lot more expensive to buy that cut of meat. And that 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 spiral ham maybe cost a lot more than it did in the past. And your entire entire table that you put out was really expensive. But for now, we're kind of enjoying things, right? With this idea that, well, maybe we'll get better. But once the roof blows off, the party's over. And in a really weird way right now, kind of in a perverse way, I think, that we're seeing the continuation of this godforsaken pandemic. It's giving cover to the Fed. If you think about what's going on right now, the Fed is kind of has that in their back pocket. Like, well, yeah, there's inflation, but look what's going on. Singapore last week shut down their travel, their free travel. And we're seeing that in Germany, there's talk about selective lockdowns and the UK is putting on restrictions probably after the first of the year. And we're seeing in, in uh, the Netherlands, it's, it's being locked down again. And a lot of things are starting to all of a sudden change. We're seeing some restaurants voluntarily close entire franchises in New York City as this omni-variant, delta, whatever we want to call it, this Omicron or the delta or the next one. In other words, it doesn't matter what the variant is. It doesn't matter what this mutation is. It's called COVID that is kicking up again. And the problem is that that could lead to a slowdown. Now, we didn't see that last week when the GDP came out. The third print of GDP was a little bit better than expected. But still, there's a lot of discussion, especially from Goldman and J.P. Morgan, talking about, you know, with this, this, this new raging pandemic that's kicking up and not getting the Build Back Better program 
approved at this point, we're marking down our GDP for the United States pretty substantially for next year. Now, that translates to a slower economy, which further translates and can be related to the the Fed with the idea that, well, if that happens, we're probably going to see deflationary conditions. And you know what? So much for our theory that we just threw in the towel on transitory, and here we are in an inflationary situation. Oh, my God, we have to keep rates as they are. And maybe we were too fast at rolling back the quantitative easing. I mean, I'm not kidding. The ability for the Fed to forecast in almost any environment, excluding a pandemic, a just normal environment is terrible. They just are awful at it. Throw in this curveball of this ebbing and waning and this moving and this grooving pandemic, and they they have no ability. And the problem is right now that we are seeing a situation where there is a significant amount of question. And that is what is pushing and pulling the markets. And if all of this is going to lead to the idea that the Fed is going to keep rates low, which the bond market is telegraphing, we haven't seen that meaningful spike yet. The idea that the Fed is going to come in and do something. As soon as, as a matter of fact, as soon as they mentioned and, and talked about the idea that they were going to actually think about raising rates, and it was priced into the market in 2022, starting in eh, March or April or May, somewhere around there, and three hikes that were put in. What happened? Well, nothing that was expected. So we're going to be watching what's going on there, the potential for the continual rotation of of this moving bull market and ramp and squeeze of various sectors of not only the commodity market, but the equity markets as well on the heels of the idea that there is so much uncertainty. I think that sums up where we are right now. And what was talked about last week in particular, without the Build Back Better program and the people that won't be getting the income that they've been getting for so long that they have Come, become accustomed to and relied upon in order to buy food, the the childcare credits and, and the excess money that was going out. Some people are like, oh, you know what? It's finally, we're coming to an end of the stimulus that was afforded to people through um, the excess amount of monies that were being paid by for taxpayers to make up for what was going on during the pandemic. And now what we're seeing was an end to the pandemic, at least it was for a moment there, And here we are all over again, but probably without any real ability for politicians to do anything like a shutdown that we saw in 2020. However, the reality still is that we remain in an environment that right now could lead us to a slowdown that, dare I say it, a deflationary spiral. All due to the fact that this pesky pandemic will not go away. The idea that we were in a transitory mode once we were winding down and things were getting better and the vaccines were being, um, you know, administered and more and more people were getting the shots. And and on top of that, we saw that the case counts went down. All the, Those people that were talking about, well, no, we're going to enter into a major deflationary spiral moving forward, were full of it. The ones that were hugging on to the Fed that was talking about a misguided transitory nature, uh, they were totally wrong. Now, though, we need to take a look at the fact 
that here we are once again in a situation that could be, in fact, slowing things down as China is closing down certain factories. And we're seeing that it's spiking up again in certain areas around the world, which could once again throw a problem into supply chains, which will, of course, be problematic for prices. But at the same time, if there's a pullback by individuals and no tolerance or ability for the fiscal stimulus to provide for any kind of additive to the, to the economy, there is the great potential that we will enter into a deflationary period, or at least more so than was expected, if nothing else, a slowing of the inflation. Now, I also want to talk about, just for a moment, I want to talk about the market action that occurred this week. This, <laughs> this convulsive daily movement, nothing calm. It's, it's all this insanity with moves that are herky-jerky and messy and wide. And the question, you've probably been wondering, what is going on? What does this all mean? And I think there's something that we all need to look at very carefully, and it's the idea of agreement or disagreement for that matter. Agreement and disagreement when it comes to market participants. Yes, we're at the end of the year, and there is some excess volatility that's going on. But let's take a look at this idea about agreement or lack of agreement. Let's take a look at this. Let's reverse it for a second. Let's, let's talk about that right now there's a lack of agreement. But let's take a look at the, this and break it down just for a moment because I think the lesson on this will clarify the question you have and give you some really good insight on how to really understand this for the future. If there was agreement, we're talking about uh, you know a price level of a stock or or an index, or futures, or currency, cryptocurrency, whatever you want to look at. Price agreement, the concept, if there was price agreement, absolutely. In other words, everybody said, yeah, that's the right price. Right where it is right now. That looks good. Then there'll be no movement in the price, right? I mean, think about it for a second. If everybody agrees that the price of, of uh, XYZ stock should be, at the current time, right now, $50. And the price is $50, then no one's going to buy. No one's going to sell. There's going to be no movement or very little movement as we go through gyrations that the market may be throwing at us. But from a, a an isolated and in a vacuum, this scenario that I'm building right here for you, the idea that here we are, that everybody believes the price should be what it is. The price is at that point right now. Therefore, everybody's like, oh, that's good. I'm not a buyer because I think that's the, the right price. I'm not a seller because I think that's the right price. And why should they? Because they all agree. Now, let's take this one step further. Let's suppose that there are some outliers, just a few. Just a couple of investors really like XYZ. They think the price should be more like $65. So at 50, they're like, huh, yeah, that's pretty cheap. Uh, let's buy some. Now there's another group out there that uh, think that XYZ is, is overvalued and overpriced right now. They're thinking, you know, gosh, look at that. Trading at 50, man, that is not that's no more than a $40 stock. 
So they sell their shares or they that they may own or they or they short them. So far, there's a little bit of disagreement that may have an impact in the market because those that are selling, those that are buying, those that are in the middle, those that think it's, hey, that's a great price right now, it seems good. Few of them think, ah, it's too high, let's sell it. That takes down the price. A few of them say, you know what, it's too low, let's buy it. And, and yeah, you got some degree of balance there. But let's go one step further. Let's talk about absolutely divided, which is kind of the state of the U.S. right now. It seems like that's the state of the market right now as well. Price estimates are really far apart, let's call it. You know, we're seeing that this company, again, back to XYZ, it's uh, valued anywhere from $30 to $90, according to various analysts. There's no agreement anymore by anyone in the scenario I'm building here. And this creates chaotic moves like we're seeing now. And it's gonna, it can also be a product time frame. Something that right now it's not a good time for the stock, but they like it for the future. They're going to wait for it to come back a little bit. So therefore, there's not that much buying pressure. I think it's, hey, it's worth 50. It's currently trading at about 48. But you know what? I'm not going to be buying more until it pulls back to 40 to see if I can get a real bargain on the deal. Therefore, we're seeing that any selling pressure that comes in for those that thinks that it's really, you know, uh, worth a lot less, that really don't want it, that are shorting it, that are selling it, eh, we'll wait for that to come in. Those people are going to have less resistance to the move and therefore, Again, this volatility that picks up because both sides, those that think, hey, it's worth 90 bucks and it's worth $20, they start fighting it out and duking it out. And putting those all together creates this volatility, this price movement that's very wide. And what we're seeing now with the added bonus of excess liquidity is there's still this incredible push and pull that's going on, this this ebb and flow of money in and out of markets, sectors, the rotation from value to growth, from technology to healthcare to utilities to real estate to the financials. And here we are also adding to that one more pile on. It's like a giant Jenga. And we have this big pile. We have all these little pieces that are on there, and now we're slowly picking it apart. We're at the end of the year, a typical time of lower volume and greater volatility because things need to be get they need to be be done by the end of the year. You, you can't say, "Oh yeah, I finished the transaction on the 3rd cuz I ah, no big deal. Let's let's count that for 2021." It doesn't work like that. Anything that you need to do to close the books has to be done by the end of the year. And in this case, it's Friday the 31st of December 2000 and 21 at 4 p.m. in the market, technically. There's a full day of trading that day, by the way. Full day of trading. Uh, so this is what we're seeing now, this kind of chaotic and, and, and this movement that is substantial because there is a lack of overall agreement. Agreement. So here is what I want to explain to you. And I want to, this is what I want you to, to hear. From now through the end of the year, what do we have? Five days. It's not a big deal, right? It tells us nothing about what's going on. There are these major and very hefty 
seasonal trends that are at work that are happening in the background and best it's best to pick your position for a longer period and ignore this volatility as anything can happen in this environment. There are a lot of people that maybe have a position in a, in, a, in a stock that have substantial gains. And for whatever reason, they have some losses. They're like, you know what? I could take some of that. And they they sell that off and create a little bit of mini chaos in the price movement of that stock. This all has to be done within the next five business days, five trading days. Don't pay too much attention to what's going on in that period because of not only the seasonality, but also because of what is going on in the market. There's also uh, an interesting little tidbit I want to talk about. Interesting week for one of our strategies in particular that I want to First, I want to talk about our crowd. All around the world, tech companies are innovating and driving returns for investors. Our crowd analyzes companies across the global private markets, selecting those with the greatest growth potential, then brings them to you. From personalized medicine to cybersecurity to robotics, quantum computing, and more. In state-of-the-art labs, startup garages, and anywhere in between, our crowd is identifying innovators. So you can invest when growth potential is at its greatest. Early, our crowd's accredited investors have already invested over $1 billion dollars in growing tech companies, and many of their members have benefited from the 46 IPOs or sale exits of their investments. Now you can truly diversify your portfolio by investing early in innovative private market companies at our crowd. Join the fastest venture capital investment community at ourcrowd.com slash TDI. That's ourcrowd.com slash TDI. And I think it's important that we spend some time talking about interactive brokers right now because interactive brokers is the professional's gateway to the world's markets. IBKR offers commissions starting at $0 for U.S. listed stocks and ETFs, enhanced price execution via IB smart routing and access to their powerful trader workstation, their web, mobile, and also the API trading platforms. You can join clients from over 200 countries and territories to invest globally. In fact, now you can even trade cryptocurrencies right alongside stocks and options, futures, fiat currencies, bonds, mutual funds, and ETFs, all from a single integrated account at the lowest cost at Interactive Brokers. Find out more about trading all of these securities globally, plus crypto at IBKR. Com. Check them out. Love them. Interactive Brokers. Great, great, great platform. IBKR.com. So let's pick it up again. We were talking about why this was an interesting week, right? I, I mentioned, I kind of teased ahead of this discussion, the idea that this was really a pretty amazing week. In fact, the TDI managed growth strategy is a strategy where we have a long, short strategy where we have individual equities. We have the opportunity to hedge those. We have some swing trading. We have core positions. But it had one of the best one-day returns, I think, this year, if not for a while. And that's not that we haven't had good one-day returns. We have. But this is pretty eye-catching. And, and you may think, well, ah, look at Horowitz. He's bragging about this. No, no, no. This brings up an interesting question. Something that I look for because when I see portfolios 
having outside and outside of the range moves up or down. I, I, I step back. I'm like, hey, what's going on here? When I see this upside or downside that is a magnitude greater on a one-day basis, it gets me a-thinking. And if you see this with your portfolio, you should also take notice as well as look at to what's going on where it's kind of pushing, whether it's pulling the portfolio in, in very different ways. You need to ask yourself a few things, and I want to tell you what you want to look at. You want to look at, is this a broad-based within my portfolio, or is it due to a few select positions, right? You want to see if this is just going along with a general trend of what you have in your portfolio that's working that day, that may be on the buy side that is being squeezed and you're seeing this across the board and everything looks good, or is this concentrated in just a few positions? There's a big difference there. When you see it is in a general nature, probably the market's going in a direction, probably there's a big buy program going on, and probably what's happening is a general lift, you know, a high tide lifts all ships. On the other hand, if it is only a few select positions, you need to start thinking to yourself, what is going on here? And is this a harbinger for something good or bad, right? Could it be up or down? You have to look deeply into what's going on. The next thing you need to look at is, was the, was the move outsized to a point that something needs to be done? Do I need to add? Do I need to cut? Do I need to trim? When you're working with an actively traded portfolio, whether it's in ETFs or mutual funds, whether it is, in fact, in individual equities or whatever you're trading, and you, you have different components in there and you're looking at a, a big picture portfolio, is there something that needs to be done? Now, more often than not, probably the answer is no. Probably there is an explanation in there that says something like, you know, hey, markets moved in a direction, portfolio did as well. Some positions were off a little more than others. Some were up a little bit more than others. The various core was doing pretty much what it should do, and maybe there's nothing to be done. However, what about in a situation where all of a sudden you get a buyout of a stock and you see this 50, 60, 70% move up on a position? Maybe it's time if there's no longer any gusto left in the tank that maybe you take your profits at that point. Instead of waiting to see if this deal goes through. Just an idea. Or maybe what's happening is there's a short squeeze on one of your positions, two of your positions. <laughs> and, you know, maybe I'll trim back because it went from a 3% position in my portfolio to a 4.5% position in my portfolio. And I'm really only looking to model a 3% position. That's all I really want to have in my portfolio of that one security or any security for that matter. Again, ideas trimming. Do I need to add? Did this stock go down dramatically? This position go down dramatically because of a situation that I believe is unwarranted? And if that, if so, that is the case, should I consider adding to it, averaging down? Because I really do like this stock for long term and I want to get into it. So there's these various questions of adding, cutting, trimming that you need to look at also whether it is a sector, whether it is a stock. Usually you're not going to get these kinds of quick moves on an ETF or a mutual fund, but you could, you could look at this overall as a, as a qualification when you're looking at your portfolio from a rebalancing standpoint, maybe quarterly or semi-annually, or when you're looking at it on a daily basis, maybe that you're looking at 
positions that, that moved. The next question, what happened to other similar stocks in the same sector? Was this situation unique to a position that you owned, or was this something a little bit more broad-based? If it was unique and isolated to the position that you own, maybe there's something that needs to be done there. Why did this position have such an outsized gain compared to its competitors and its peers? And, and finally, I think the question also has to be asked by you as you're doing this process is very simple. Is this kind of volatility what I expected and something that I can deal with and mentally kind of work with? Or is it debilitating and going to move me into making the wrong decisions? This is really important. The idea of how much risk can I handle mentally? You know, the old, can I sleep on this? Can it allow me to sleep? Or is it going to keep me up all night? The idea that you are able to stomach the kind of risk that you're dealing with and the movement is really important when you think about the stocks and positions inside your portfolio. There are many things we could learn at by taking a look at and Instead of just simply cheering our victory, oh, man, I am so good at picking stocks. Man, look at me. Hey, Bob, you got to see what I did today with my portfolio. You know, let me tell you about these winners that I have, Chuck. No. Or, you know, the wallowing wallowing in the loss. Like, oh, my God, I got to sell everything because, man, I'm going to lose it. It's terrible. Oh, it's going to hell in a handbasket. No. What we do is we learn from the process of being a disciplined investor, right? Isn't that the whole point? Uh, if you didn't know, that's the title of this podcast. Take the time to understand what is going on inside your portfolio, how what is happening is impacting you as well as your decision-making, and ask those questions that I talked about. And you'll have a better handle on what's going on in your portfolio and make you a better investor. You know, what I can tell you is that the, when I answered these questions, when I looked at this in the portfolio itself, what happened was we noticed that there were names that we recently added on the move to enter on what appeared to be heavily oversold levels. You know, we saw a lot of movement over the last number of weeks and we've been trimming positions as they moved up into it and putting a little bit back on changing things ever so gently. And the moves of oversold levels where we saw a couple positions that we added to unbelievable moves on the upside. We also cut back on positions that were peaking only to add back on the move down. And then the subsequent rally really helped these take off from support levels. So you got to watch these outsized moves, see what they're all about and understand, ask questions, learn from this for the future. And I think that will make you not only a better investor overall, but it'll really help your portfolio dramatically. Just a couple of tips there as we are entering into 2022. And by the way, speaking of which, I think we need to start talking about this now because by the time we turn around, it's going to be 2022. In fact, this is it, right? This is the last episode, I believe, of 2021. So now's that time, that awkward time of year where a lot of us spend thinking, you know, man, I got to lose weight. Oh, I'm there in that. Uh, I'm going to do something about it. You know, one of the funniest things I see each and every year is that, well, taking COVID out of the picture, 
was the parking lots at the various gyms and fitness clubs were always really busy in January, right? <laughs> Crazy. Because everybody's kind of like, oh, somehow I'm supposed to make these resolutions for the new year. I never really liked resolutions. The idea of making a resolution seems like a, these, I, I, somehow it's, 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 it's an idea that's posed as an interesting thing to do, but not actually committed to. I think that's the point, because it resolves nothing. You don't have to really do anything, and if you don't, you're not really that, ha- that, that, that upset about it. If you make it and you do it, you're like, oh, good, I did it. Some people are more serious about it. Others, not so. But a commitment, that's a little bit different. I am going to make a commitment versus I am going to make a resolution. A resolution is kind of like an unsigned document that, that has to go through the process until it's approved and legislation comes from there. But if we talk about a commitment, I think that's r- much more powerful. A commitment versus a resolution. And if you commit to it, you need to stick to it. So what are you committing to to financially to better yourself for 2022 and beyond? That's a question that you should be asking yourself right now. Maybe you've been out of the market. You just can't get yourself back in because you think it's too high and you've always thought it was too high and you're forever going to think it's too high and you're going to wait for that day for a drop. And when it drops, you're going to say, oh my God, it's going to drop more. Never get back in because it's only going to drop more. And when it picks up, you go like, ah, I missed it. Damn it. The next time. Next time comes, you know what? Same thing happens. You know what I'm talking about if you're one of those. Maybe you're really margined and, and leveraged up. Maybe perhaps it's time to think about a change of plan in terms of how you're doing things, especially if it's not going your way. But maybe you're one of those that likes to think and do it yourself because you don't trust anyone or you don't want to pay anyone. And you ask yourself, how is that going? You'll have the resources to do what I'm supposed to do. Well, for many people, that works okay. But there's limits, right? Now, there's other people that's not working at all for. The concept that, you know what, what I'm doing, even though I keep on doing it, I think it's the right thing to do, but I do the same thing over and over again and nothing's changing. What is that saying about your choices? Maybe it's time to start thinking about something different. You know, I, I never understood when people do things that are detrimental to themselves and think, ah, no big deal, okay, you know, at least somebody else isn't doing it, I'm doing it to myself, and ask yourself something. Ask yourself this question. If you hired you, would you keep you on or fire yourself? If you hired you for this job or that job or this task, How do you rate yourself and would you keep yourself? Before you answer that, take a breath and let's not get all ahead of ourselves and think that, yeah, I'm the best at what I do and everything. Let's be real, folks. Let's be real. It's that time of year when we really need to stop just for a moment, smell, think, and kind of look around. Wonder what could be different? What could I be doing to better myself? What is it, whether it's in the world of finance or otherwise, that I'm willing to commit to? Something to really think about over New Year's weekend. Look, here's my opinion. We have a great road ahead of us. 
Yes, there's going to be some bumps and some curves, but there's also going to be some straightaways. But you've got to keep your eyes open and your hands on the wheel. Oversight, due diligence, research, it all pays off. And that's how we maintain our way as disciplined investors. You are on the way or becoming or become or have been or are a disciplined investor all the way for one purpose. Financial independence, financial security, taking care of yourself now and into the future. That's what this is all about. And as we go through this, we're going to get bruised a few times here and there. We're not going to understand everything all at once. It's a lifetime of knowledge that has to be absorbed, understood. And then once that happens, things change. And we have to go back to the drawing board. Hey, it's the holiday. New Year, the new year is right around the corner. It's time to commit. It's time to commit to maybe a change in what you're doing to better yourself or an adjustment or just a, a slight maneuver. Whatever it is, think hard about it. Be tough on yourself. Do something about it. That's the show for this year, for this week, for this month, for 2021. Calling it the last official show of 2021. Welcoming in 2022 in just a few days. Thank you for being here with me each and every day of this year and the past many years. I am going to be here in 2022, and we are going to learn more together. And we are going to become disciplined investors on our way to financial security and financial independence. Thank you so much for joining me. Have a happy new year. Have a great, great time. Commit to those items that will do wonders for you in the future. Again, thanks for joining me. I'll see you real soon. Nothing discussed in this podcast should be considered a recommendation to buy or sell any security. Past performance is no indication of future results. In addition, the information presented is not intended to be used as a sole basis of any investment decisions, nor should be construed as advice designed to meet the individual needs of any particular investor. Nothing herein constitutes legal, accounting, or tax advice, or individually tailored investment advice. Remember, investing involves substantial risk. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results and a loss of original capital may occur. No one receiving or accessing this information should make any investment decision without first consulting his or her own personal financial advisor and conducting his or her own research and due diligence, including carefully reviewing any applicable prospectuses, press releases, reports, and other public filings of the issuer of any securities being considered. Please consider this for educational purposes only. As always, use your best judgment when investing. Horowitz & Company, Inc. is registered as an investment advisor with the state of Florida and conducts business in other states where it is properly registered or is excluded from registration requirements. Registration does not imply any level of skill or training. Advertisements are not related to the host or affiliates and are not considered recommendations by the host of the show or any affiliates of Horowitz & Company. 